Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. BWI Daily Edition coming to you today. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate Bauer with me. We are talking uh, kind of news and notes of the week. Lots of things happened. Some uh, invites going out, some official participation in the Senior Bowl, and a tweet. We're going to be talking about a tweet today. Uh, something Nate found. So, Nate, do you want to start there, or do you want to start with our pleasantries? I like pleasantries. Let's <laughs> say hello. We're talking about stuff. Right? It's yeah. Thursday, January 20th. There's stuff. It's not earth shattering, but mm-hmm. there are things happening. We can yeah. talk about it. Yeah, there there are things happening. Actually, let's start with some of the news and notes. Let's start with yeah. uh, some things that you wrote about today over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com because Nick Singleton, despite the fact that he's enrolled at Penn State and currently in winter <laughs> workouts, is still winning awards. What happened yeah. uh, today? Yeah, never, it never stops. Nick Singleton will be a senior at Penn State and winning high school achievement awards uh, for his <laughs> legendary high school performance. No, so he was the Maxwell Football Club's National Offensive Player of the Year in high school. That's something. I mean, it, look, it's certainly cousin, sisters, brothers, former roommate. But yes, <laughs> he, he won. He was he, he beats uh, he beat out the Clemson quarterback um, and uh, a receiver. I can't pronounce his name. A receiver from uh, Arizona. Yeah. Um, you know. So look, like there there becomes a repetition to this. I think obviously when you're counting this laundry list of awards and honors and so on and so forth. But certainly I don't think that there's any question. It bolsters the argument that, yeah, he's really good. He, he had a great high school yeah. career, had a great senior year at governor Mifflin. And now, you know, that, that is translating to Penn state. He's, he's got an opportunity at Penn state this spring. Yeah. I think it just, it further underscores exactly what sort of player and I, I'm kidding, but uh, you know, earlier about the specificity of the award, but the Maxwell Player of the Year, Gatorade Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, anyway, for the Maxwell Award. That shows you it's not just that he was good for his situation, but a group of people who do this every year that look across the country to find the best players decided he, two different groups, decided yeah. he was the best football player in America at to some degree, and that is uh, what Penn State's getting, which is yep. really interesting when you look at, as we, we talked about on Tuesday, I think it was, where we were, we were kind of putting a bow on the career of some of the guys who are no longer on the Penn State roster. Guys who are still on the roster, especially that running back position, a couple names that you see there, Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes, yep. both in that running back room with a guy like Nick Singleton. 
What as we're in winter workouts here, as you're seeing guys that are being singled out as far as leaders in the room, and Kaziah Holmes was one of the guys that was singled out. Yep. How is that situation in your mind? I, I mean, I, certainly, I think it's it's open season. I think it's it's a, a competition, right? It, it, one of the things that stood out to me about last season, specifically at running back, and really it's been for the last couple of years, last two years. Now, obviously, Noah Kane getting hurt, J- Jordy Brown getting hurt in 2020, uh, 2020 really shook that room up, right? But no one, no one has just grabbed the room. Like, no one has grabbed the reins since really – Miles Sanders. And so you've got this, uh, is it good to have four running backs who can all play? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. But would you prefer one to be awesome with three really good options behind him? Yeah. No, I think, I think that would absolutely be the preference. And I think that that's what Penn State has sought for the last couple of years, but really hasn't been able to identify or establish as somebody to really grab hold of the position, be the alpha, just take over. And, yeah. um, you know, certainly I think that for for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Devin Ford and Keziah Holmes, uh, am I missing somebody? Tank Smith. Tank Smith. I... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're no, right about the about the um competition and the level of competition that Penn State has in that room in that before nobody was stepping up and taking the job and nobody was performing at a high level you can have nobody step up and earn or take the job because you've got multiple options that are all highly valuable and bring something to the table. I mean, I know that it is a far flung comparison, but Georgia didn't have a lead running back when they had Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley. Yeah. Now Todd Gurley was older and he was the lead running back, but all those guys played, all those guys made plays. So you can, it's just an example of a lot of talent at one place you can have everybody participate. Miles Sanders had a role, albeit a smaller one with Saquon Barkley on the field. But, yep. you know, there there were there's time and there are touches if you earn them. And yep. and I, I, I think that this has a potential. This room has a potential to be very good next season and have much more explosive big play opportunity than they did uh, this past season. Sure. No, I, uh, look, obviously the offensive line is going to, dictate that so will but, Sean Clifford but, or quarterback or what have right like I mean all of these other elements will help dictate yeah how that shapes up for that room I just I just would kind of hold firm to the notion that one to one to one to one is not great <laughs> like I I mean at least in terms of a breakdown of carries right, it, right. or series or quarters what have you I just I, I don't I don't know that you could point to either of the last two years and say that that method has been very successful. I mean, I, I just, I think that, that even if it's three to one to one or right, I mean, just mm-hmm. whatever, just, a, just somebody asserting themselves, somebody being better than everybody else is, is really uh, would be an advancement would be a development, I think for that group. 
So d- does the offensive line dictate? And I know I, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here because it does. Yeah. But does yeah. the offensive line dictate that success? Because one of the arguments James Franklin has made past this past season was sometimes you have guys that just make everything okay. And sometimes you have a guy that that you you have a run that's there and he hits it for a big play, not just the play that's there, but then creates something. And there were moments last year that the offensive line created something. This season with the players that are in the backfield, they have the potential to create more out of what's there. So I guess that's my point of like I think yeah. everyone is stuck on the offensive line. But if you look at the skill players that Penn State's bringing into the fold through the transfer portal and freshmen that have some translatability, is this the season for optimism that Penn State's offense doesn't have to be what it was last season? <sighs> Careful, Nate. That pause was so pregnant, it might impregnate other things. Maybe. The, maybe. You still haven't responded. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I... I, I you can have another kid over there. It's so pregnant. No, look, Nick Singleton is a rare talent. I yeah. think is the point. I think like is there a possibility that he is so good that he can step in and upend that situation? I, I think there's a possibility that Kazai Holmes could do the same thing based on the fact that we haven't. He, he redshirted. He was obviously behind. There were things that. And, and that could be in a variety of areas, right? It's not yep. necessarily just his on-field play. It's there were developments that Keziah Holmes had to make. He was comfortable with it. His family was comfortable with it. Penn State was comfortable with it. That that was the role that he had for the last 12 months or the last four months, you know, whatever the football yeah. season was. Could, could he step in and change that to where his performance is so good that it it – you don't need you don't need to be a consistent back or have a consistent approach in the backfield if you have a guy who can take it 80, right? Yeah. If a guy if a guy if a guy can rip off like you don't need the offensive line to be every snap perfection yep. if you have a running back who can take advantage of that one shot, that, so that one opportunity. That's my point, and that was my point last spring before we knew that Keziah Holmes was redshirting, is that where's the juice in the backfield? Yeah. Where is the speed? And this offseason, Penn State has two backs now. Yeah. They had zero last year. Now they have two. So I'm not even saying Nick Singleton. I'm saying you've got two guys back there that yeah. is creating this competition. Keziah Holmes has to make his move now. Like, there is yeah. no more time for him to develop. The development is done. He's got to produce next season because the young guys that are coming in have a maturity about them and have this level of talent that is going to raise the floor. The competition is actually competition this offseason as opposed to what it was previously, which was an injured Noah Kane who was rehabbing and then yep. a, two freshman running backs that played before they should have in 2020. So... You've got more freshmen coming in, so a large large part of that is still in that element, but it's just different than the two guys that are coming in now. So I guess that's my point of it doesn't have to be so dire when we talk about the Penn State running attack because things have changed and you've got more players in there that have yeah. the skills you need. Yeah. 
I I knew we were missing someone like Kevon Lee. <laughs> I didn't. We didn't bring him up. But he's he's like the tires on your car. Like they're just for the most you never think about the tires on your car because they're absolutely essential and dependable. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what you're getting from him. You know exactly yeah. what it is. So yeah, yeah and it just the lead back. It just it just might not be. F1 tires, right? Like, yeah, they're 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 trusty Michelins, <laughs> and that's and that's what you're going for there. No, I I I I just think that it's it's going to be an interesting an interesting spring for that room because someone has to step up. I mean, someone yeah. has to take to take hold of that position and and kind of move the ball forward. Literally. As the running back, that is that is their primary objective. Uh, winter yeah. workouts, Sean Clifford, once again, highlighted as one of the top performers with a new strength and conditioning coach. So yep. fill us in on the official movement there and what Penn State has a bit of a restructuring, I think, mostly in titles. But there's that. Yep. And then, of course, winter workouts have started. Uh, two guys that I saw mentioned, Keziah Holmes, who we just talked about, kind yep. of fueled that conversation, and Clifford. So fill us in on what's gone on in the first week of winter workouts yeah so they do they do speed work right i mean it's not it's not position specific it's uh, though they do that as well and they have those opportunity through winter workouts it's lifting it's speed work it's it's position stuff like all of those things come into play in the winter and the other day tuesday penn state uh their new strength coordinator, I mean, I'm, he has a much longer title than that, as did Dwight Galt. But for our purposes, we're going to call him the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, Chuck Losey highlighted Sean Clifford. I mean, he just he said that he brought it and and uh, he made a shout out to Clifford's training app. Let, let me let discussed. me. Let me read the, uh, the the tweet specifically. Shout out to Sean Clifford for his performance this morning during speed training. At Cliff Bros app must be working. Great job, 14. If you want to help kids with NIL in a legal way, there's a good place to start. Your quarterback has a training app, and you mentioned it in a tweet. That got uh, almost 400 likes. So There you so, go. You know, every little bit helps. That's I, what we've been I'm, told. I'm just, just slightly. Clifford's the one helping others with the app, not him. Right? Am I following that correctly? <laughs> so he and his brother have developed a training app. Is yeah. you know he? I think it was last summer or earlier this year that was the announcement that he was developing his own app to help train athletes play you know sports. So. Yeah. That is, that's the, that I'll click on it and we'll go there right now. Um, he's, he's always, I mean, it's, 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 cur it's not curious. It, it just is what it is at this point, but this is consistent with Sean Clifford. He yeah. is always a workout warrior. Like there's, yeah. there is, and, and I understand some of the frustrations of Penn State fans who, see this right it's almost a, a rinse and repeat of off-season encouragement for for sean clifford as being a standout in terms of what he puts into the game what he puts into workouts what he puts into all of that off-season preparation it is 
unimpeachable. Like yeah. he, he is all in all the time. He does it all so well. And then you get to the season and f- fans have in some, I mean, to put it diplomatically, like there's this disappointment attached to that. Yeah. He's not that, that his performances have not been so over the top good to, to be able to, to kind of lift this Penn state program to, to new heights. But uh, again, it's not a bad thing for a program to have its starting quarterback or the most experienced quarterback. Obviously, we'll see what happens this this uh, spring and summer uh, in terms of the quarterback position. But it's not a bad thing to have your quarterback leading the way. Yeah, to have your quarterback be the example and and set that uh, for everybody else in the program. Yeah, and I, I was having some fun with it earlier obviously don't you dare don't yeah right like people won't realize the smiles and winks and nods that we're just having some fun but like he's obviously a a good athlete Sean Clifford there's never been a problem with his athleticism we've always heard this about him that's part of as you just eloquently said one of the reasons James Franklin and the coaching staff trust him so much is that he does everything the right way. And it's one of the things I said about the young quarterbacks that if they want to challenge him for that starting position, it starts in winter workouts. Like if you're Christian Veyu and you think that you have a chance because you think your skills are good enough that you can play next season, you've got to be 220. You know, you've got to put on 15 pounds of muscle this offseason. You've got to be there with him leading step for step to check that box because there is a laundry list of things that Sean Clifford does that fans don't see and coaches appreciate that makes him the leader of the team and the leader of the quarterbacks and that, that he's going to be entrenched until he leaves. So that is a huge part of it. And it seems as if it's continuing in 2022. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think that, it, it always strikes me as so easy to talk about, but much harder to hold as a realistic expectation. Things like diet are important to, to yeah. these players in the offseason. And so you and I can sit here and fans can sit where they're sitting and say, well, man, it, you know, Christian, you got you to gotta eat raw red meat every day for for the next for the next six months and you're very you know, unfamiliar with that are you <laughs> yeah no that's not, that's not my style. you don't no, want to you don't want to get salmonella poisoning or some sort of like you you do want it rare but not more than um, rare <laughs> it happens there are raw meat eaters out there that's true no, but if sushi's if delicious sushi's great but yeah. that's in any case it's it's all of the resources are there at Penn State and at any program at this level for a player to take advantage of those nutrition aspects of right, just what they put in their body and how they get bigger, how they get stronger, how they get faster, all of those things. But there is a massive, like nobody can make them do that. Yeah. Nobody in the program can say, hey, uh, you know, when you were hungry after your workout, we have this, 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 and this, and, you know, load up on brown rice versus, man, I'm going to crush three Snickers bars. Like that's right. occasionally for a college student athlete, that is the much more appealing option in terms of ease of use. And do you remember, 
Do you remember a couple years ago when we were the Carl Nassib story of he gained, yep. what was it, 40 pounds in his Penn State career or something like that? Yep. And he said, like, I just ate a ton of chicken and rice. Yep, chicken, chicken and, rice. and rice. I don't remember if he was the Chipotle guy or not, but I think there was another guy in the Penn State program. Like, Chipotle was a big part of the diet. Yeah. Penn State now, fast forward, has nutrition stations and they're upgrading that part of the the program like that's an to fuel an athlete another thing that i don't think people understand is how you have to eat even when you don't want to as an athlete yeah. because we we hear yeah. about like you know you need to eat big portions you need to make sure your energy is up and you're replenishing all this stuff but growth and development of all those physical attributes if especially if you're an offensive lineman sometimes you got to eat when you don't want to and yeah. that's I think that's harder than anything else is knowing how many calories you need and then forcing the rest of them into your body when you're just there. There were stories of guys just being bored of eating in the NFL. It's it's hard for me and my four chins to imagine a meal that I wouldn't love to eat. But when it's literally chicken breast with salt, pepper no sauces right and brown rice or quinoa i i think that can be that's a challenge for sure for some of those guys you just described my lunch except it's on a salad you i forgot <laughs> i forgot to eat yesterday actually my wife got mad at me because i forgot to eat yesterday because i was doing a bunch of this stuff and like she came home and she's like let's work out and i'm like i didn't eat today i have i have no ability to work out today you can't do that if you're an athlete you've got to make sure you're eating and fueled so that when you are you know in these winter workouts you're not degrading your own muscles by not fueling them that's the other like there there's it is a scientific thing but it's a human element. So winter workouts, it's not just about the lifting of weights. It's about all, to quote James Franklin once again, it's, it's all of it. It's always it's all of it. It's everything. No, yeah. this is the, this is the, and we have this really for the next six, eight weeks before spring practice starts, where this is the Rocky Four montage. I mean, it's, it's, a uh, there's logs and snow and running around and just, you know, punching no, it's Cow it's in the in the freezer, right? It's like, it's more boring than that. That's what I don't think people understand is that it is monotonous to to work out, to lift, to recover. It is uh, it can be a mental slog. Now that's why you have music and competition, and that's why yep. you need four running backs that are all motivated intrinsically to push each other with that extra motivation, so that you get to lift the lift when you're supposed to. Like you go there and you're in the right mindset to then work hard. Because even if you show up and you're not working hard, you're not getting that benefit out of it. And I'm speaking as a total amateur when it comes to this stuff. I just, this I live sounds, with an expert. It sounds awful. All of it. I, I want no part of this. So you, so this is, this is always my point. And this is the last thing I'll say about this. Cause I want to get to what you wanted to talk about today. Next. To me, to be great, greatness, when we talk about athletes, there's got to be a psychotic part of you. Like, there's got to be a part of you that's a little broken yeah. that you just can't be comfortable in order to drive you to success. Some sort of thing internally has to not be put in place so that you're, I don't want to say 
set into like complacent or make it sound like a negative thing, but most people are satisfied in their lives, whether, you know, in, in some form or fashion. And people who achieve that level of greatness that in sports or in anything else, they tend to never be okay with stuff. And that's what you need when it's February 1st. The season is nowhere in sight. Maybe you aren't a starter. Maybe you didn't play last year and your muscles are tired and you got to find a way to go work out again. And it, at least now it's not five o'clock in the morning. At least now it's at a reasonable time for your body to, to wake up and adjust. But that's when you've got to be, that's when greatness happens. Yep. So anyway. Concur. Concur. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, Totally. I, I bring this up all the time and people laugh at me and think it's stupid, but Silas Red, I will never forget him telling me in an interview about running hills as like a nine-year-old with yeah. his dad because he loved a Walter Payton video that he used to watch like a VHS on repeat uh, of awesome. Walter Payton doing hills and like calisthenic works, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, leg lift six inches uh, as a nine-year-old. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that there's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a parent and I have a nearly four-year-old. I mean, I, I can't get her to eat breakfast and put clothes on to go to school. Like those things are challenges. And so the notion of someone that young being that invested in an element of self-improvement that is not fun, right? Like to, yeah. to make, to make that fun, to have that be something that you want to do because you see this end game. Yeah. It, it's, it is very foreign to me for sure. So the, the thing I want to bring up next actually is the thing you brought up this week that, that uh, I thought was an interesting topic of conversation. I'm going to put this up here. Please explain uh, what we're looking at with this particular uh, Instagram post from Taylor Rooks. Yeah. So sports broadcaster, she does, she does, she used to do BTN stuff. Uh, she made that post right after the, the Monday night football game um, about how circumstances being different from team to team massively impact production. <laughs> like yeah. they massively impact what, and, and we know this, like, this isn't, this isn't some groundbreaking thing. What struck me about her post was the reactions to it. Mm -hmm. The number of Penn state players, current NFL players and or current Penn state players who were all in on it, like yeah. all in on, on reposting it, uh, sharing it, retweeting it, what, what have you. It was this locked in message of seemingly every football player of, Hey, we all get this. Like we, we that is the truth. That statement right there is an experience that everybody in the game can identify with that your what you're able to do is so much of it is dictated by it not dictated but influenced and impacted by what's happening around you yeah and i, I just I, I thought that was i thought that was was very interesting to see it's one thing to have to make a statement like that and have a couple of people weigh in and say yeah 
No, I, I, I feel that. But another thing entirely to see so many players, so many people in the game double down on that yeah. concept. So for our podcast listeners, let me read this for you. This is from Taylor Rooks on, I believe it was Tuesday or Monday night. Uh, earlier this week. Let Odell be a reminder that all of football is situational. We get very quick to judge players when they aren't performing in a specific circumstance with specific personnel. Sometimes pieces don't fit and one isolated environment shouldn't define a player. Okay, so that is a truth. I think that was widely accepted as a truth. And uh, it is something that everyone latched on to. But Here's my problem with it, Nate, is that if everyone believes that the situation and a misfit of personnel is the reason they're not succeeding, um, I'll put it this way. I grew up and I learned something from my dad that I call the a-hole test. And if you go into an environment and everyone's an a-hole, everyone's an idiot, everyone doesn't know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. and then you go into another one. And everyone's an idiot. Everyone doesn't know what they're talking about. Consider the common thread there. Maybe it's you. So in football, if everything is situational and everything has that, somebody's got to be the problem is what I'm saying. So I don't know what to do with that. Because, you know, when you watch football, yes, one thing influences the other and somebody's wrong. (laughs) Eventually somebody's wrong. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I just, I just, to me, it, it backs up this notion that no one, no one does it alone. It's not necessarily a blame thing, a, hey, um, you know, I I cannot possibly, look, Saquon Barkley to me is this prime example right now, right? It it is, we've seen his greatness, what he's capable of doing, including in a, not ideal situation at Penn State, right? Like, I mean, it's not like the 2016 and 17 offensive lines at Penn State were so dominant that it unlocked his ability to be awesome, mm-hmm. right? He showed that on his own in a lot of instances. But, and you're more familiar with it than I am, but the Giants are such a disaster offensively that. He, he has not been able to have any of that success. And maybe some of it is the injury. Maybe some of it isn't. But I, I do think it speaks to this idea that you you are dependent. Everyone in the game is dependent on one another. Yep. Yes. To 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 be able to reach their full potential. And it's not it's not necessarily a oh, it's your fault that I'm not succeeding. It's hey, if we're not all doing this at the height of our potential, it's going to unravel fairly quickly. Yep, and and that is... So I guess the context of this post, 
uh, aren't performing in specific, specific circumstances with specific personnel. By saying specific, you are pointing out a name without pointing out a name. Odell Beckham Jr. did not perform well with Baker Mayfield. So, and, and yes, it can be just nobody's wrong. It just didn't work the way their personalities or their play styles meshed. That is absolutely a thing. But there is always the other side of the coin. And I guess that's the interesting thing is if everyone agrees on this, they're at some point, some the buck needs to stop with somebody. And in yeah. Odell Beckham's case, as the as the imperfect messenger or the vehicle of this message, there has been a lot of blame sharing with Odell. And I guess that just to me, that's the undercurrent of all of this as well, of that of that message. And what I think a lot of people will latch on to is, hey, it's not my fault. It's the situation. It's the and there has to be a point in football, too, of you're expected to get the job done. Like I, you may have a task that is hard. And some guys, I will absolutely agree, are in situations where their skills, they're asked to do something they can't do. And that is coaching. That is, hey, I'm put in a, in, a, in, a, in a place I can't win. And you're asking me to do things that physically I can't do. That, I, I agree with that. There are, but, but this feels like a blanket statement, the way it was presented. And that's like, to me, I, I disagree with that part. So let's, let's translate this to Penn State football. Yeah. What what fits? What fit like if you could point to anybody on on the Penn State football team last season who may have or may not have reached their full potential based on the performances of those around them, who would you who would you point to? Uh so I I'll start with a positive because I, I feel like I was very negative about all this. Jesse Lucetta, I think, is sure. a great example of situation the situation was he was asked to read and play in space before and that was not his personal strength when he went to the defensive line he became a different football player it's just night and day and when he was asked in bad situations because ellis brooks was out of a game or he opted out or he was uh, called for targeting jesse lucetta in his situation, went back into playing in space where he is not the same football player and not presenting his skills the same way. Now, for the good of the team, he did it. And that is specific circumstances and situations where it's nobody's fault, but it's something you have to do in football. Sometimes you're asked to do something because you're the best candidate. So that's an example of him doing both. But really, and this will get to what we talk about later in the Senior Bowl, he's listed as a linebacker. That's a yeah. lie. It's not the truth. That's not his. Yeah. It shouldn't be his truth. Yeah. So yeah. what about? Uh, give me an example of of somebody that comes to mind for you. Well, okay. So I actually think that this works both ways in identifying. I'm going to lump the offensive line together, mm -hmm. right, with Sean Clifford, and say that Sean Clifford took a beating not of his own doing, right? He wasn't equipped to overcome some of the deficiencies that Penn State was suffering from on its offensive line. But actually, as I'm thinking about it and talking about it, I think that the converse argument can also be made that maybe the offensive line wasn't always as bad or had as many shortcomings as we thought based on Clifford's lack of mobility 
by the yeah. second half of the season, right? Like yep. once once he became less mobile, once he wasn't as fast, once he couldn't take off and create some of those plays with his legs that I think are, I don't think anybody would deny are essential to what Penn State wants to do offensively. It became a worse situation, right? Because defenses could figure out and knew what the approach needed to be to limit him, to limit the running game, and to to kind of take advantage of the situation that presented itself there. Yeah, and and that one is, and this is where it gets hard, right? The interconnected pieces that really are hard to unstick because you can look at one guy, and I can I can I can cherry pick Jesse Lucchetta as a positive example, but the quarterback is dependent on the offensive line. The offensive line is dependent on the quarterback to throw the football. And and that is a group that did not work well together last year because of everything you just said, because of the injury to Sean Clifford and the effect of the injury on him and his play style. Because it wasn't just that he wasn't running downfield, Nate. It was that his pocket presence became worse. So it's accentuating weaknesses of um, a guy who, and we've talked ad nauseum about this, but Caden Wallace playing tackle. As a guy who can has the physical dimensions to do it, has some of the athletic traits you want in a right tackle, but ultimately didn't perform up to the expectations of the position in in a full sense. I think he got better. I think there were, you know, we can dive into all the minutiae about that. But at the end of the day, he gave up more pressures than he should have. He did not get to the run blocks he was he needed to on a consistent basis. And when Sean Clifford isn't delivering the football on time and in rhythm for whatever reason is out there off the screen for Penn State football fans that they don't see, then you're accentuating weaknesses. Then that's exactly what you're talking about and what that, that tweet is talking about. How, how, I mean, how about this as a positive, maybe, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but is it any coincidence that Jahan Dotson's lowest output of the season as a receiver was the game that Sean Clifford missed? the the Rutgers game yeah there, there's there's you know what I mean like yeah there there's a there's kind of an example there of how Clifford's influence helps right I mean like is a is a very much a positive to what what a guy like John Dotson who was as excellent as he was during his Penn State career you know a different a different um a different quarterback changed the dynamic for him and it changed, it changed what his impact was, was able to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, and that's another one of those going back to running back or receiver. They are very dependent on the players around them. There, there, there are players that are more independent. The quarterback, believe it or not, is one of the more independent positions because if one receiver fails their job, maybe that play is done. Right. But you have typically two to four other options and the offensive line, you know, they need to do their job to a certain level and then the quarterback can make up for it after that. So there is dependency and independency in football of the offensive line. If you're going to pick up a stunt, that means that the, the offensive lineman next to you has to be there to accept the guy that's going inside of you. Like that's going to the inside if somebody's going to the outside. So there's all this interconnective dependency on on players, but certain positions do have a little more autonomy. And that's why, to me, the quarterback gets so much focus is because they can make up for all these mistakes. And it's 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 not fair 
but it's also the prestige of that position. It's also the fanfare that comes with it. Always, always get get more blame than they deserve and get uh, too much praise when things go well. Is there a non-emotionally uh, charged situation we could think of when it comes to, for Penn State football fans, when it comes to situation and player and things not fitting perfectly like this talks about? Is there something that comes to mind for you as far as uh, football being situational? Uh, I, I assume that you have something. What What do you got? Um. Do you want me to talk about the Bills? <laughs> because this this ties into the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Sure. Um. A lot of New York media has turned on Saquon Barkley and and saying that yep. that uh it, what a wasted pick at the number two overall position. And you know, looking at all the other quarterbacks that went in that draft, including Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And it's a fallacy to think that Josh Allen was destined to be the guy he is now. That is wrong. It's also a fallacy to say that anyone who's critical of him previously is a hater or is wrong. Josh Allen was not this good at football four years ago when this, the draft happened. He was below average as a football player, far below average, with some incredible peaks but he was not the same talent as Saquon Barkley. But the the whole point of the Buffalo Bills and, and Josh Allen and that experiment is that they fostered an environment where he could grow and become a better football player because he was so raw. A lot of times football players are asked to perform and not perfect. And he was given the latitude to do both. The Giants never were going to give him that opportunity. They don't have right. the culture, the structure, or any of those things in place to make that happen. And you can see what it did to Saquon Barkley, a great talent that was not supported with what he needs, which is much more dependent on the offensive coordinator being creative and intelligent with the way you use him and having a dependable front office to create an offensive line that doesn't suck. Because you can only out-athlete out guys in the NFL so many times before you get hurt like he did. You have to have some easy plays. And Saquon has had very few easy plays to go take advantage of over his four years in the NFL. Work did you have you did you get to see any of him this season? Like, uh look- no. No. I, I so I know he the burst was back by the end of the season, but I did see some stuff at the beginning of the year, and he's always gonna be fast. But that that thing that when you watch him and it took your breath away a little bit. That wasn't quite back yet, and and it was never going to be with an ACL, which is what leads me back to the idea of P.J. Mustafer this next offseason being yep. some part of the equation early on. I, I don't know that you can predict that after that type of injury. It's a little different for a tackle, but for, again, a guy like Barkley coming back so quickly, I, I just, you know, he got there at the end, but it was never it was never destined to succeed. He was going to be a sacrificial lamb this year. That's just the way it was going to yep. be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's, he remains a deeply intriguing player, I think at the next level for obviously for Penn State fans, but just even for me, I can't recall seeing anybody like him at the college level in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, And that's in a lot of different situations. He just was that good and had that many plays that rank as 
oh my goodness, I, like, I can't believe I just saw that. I can't yep. believe that. Ha- I mean, that Rose Bowl run, uh, I'll just, it will very much remain ingrained in my memory as like this fabulous, stunning, you know, feat of athleticism and just, yep. and so, yeah, I mean, but to see what he does moving forward, if there's an option there, like if there's any path out of New York and making the yeah. most of whatever his opportunity is, or if he can get back to that place. I, I just, I'm interested to see. I, at the risk of annoying people, I think he'd be awesome in Buffalo read option with Josh Allen and Saquon Barkley would be unreal. And they have an offensive staff that would use him properly. So, okay. you know, maybe, but yeah. uh, they're not going to, that's not going to happen. Uh, so let's talk about <laughs> what's that. Is that put a call in? Yes. Let, I don't know. To Terry Pagula, the former uh, Penn State grad, I get I, I hear that all the time. That's we're not friends, just to let you know. <laughs> I don't have those connections. Uh, Soon, you well, will. I'm working on it. Uh, let's go to the Senior Bowl because there's a couple of guys here that have been announced over the last couple of weeks, a uh, couple of yep. days when it comes to the Senior Bowl, officially going to be participating. You see here, Jahan Dotson uh, will be participating. They're all on the national team, I believe. Arnold yep. Epkiti on the defensive line. You have Jesse Lucetta with the linebackers. And uh, I think it was today or yesterday, Tariq Castro-Fields announced as part of the national team with the defensive back. So what stands out to you about this group and who do you think needs the biggest day or biggest week in Mobile? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, for, uh, can I sidetrack us very quickly? Sure. Yes. Sure. Uh, I, I still expect uh, Jaquan Brisker to be – because some of these guys accepted invitations earlier during the season. And so this is this kind of slow rollout by the Senior Bowl is makes it official. Yeah. But – Jordan Stout is expected to to be part of that, and and so is Jaquan Brisker, and so just on on the sheer scope of things, it's actually uh, at six. That's a huge number for Penn State. Penn State has not had that many guys in the Senior Bowl um, in one year in in quite a while. I think dating back to 1996 when mm-hmm. they had. I mean, there there was a crazy class of seniors that year for Penn State. But the point being, you know, that's a that's a pretty talent and obviously it helps for the fact that there were there's really two senior classes there, right? Briscoe yeah. couldn't participate and Castro like they would have been players in that game last year if they had not had the COVID season in 2020. So now so uh Players that I think need to have a big week. I mean, certainly Luketa is is interesting, and I think Castro Fields is interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, those are guys who one. I'll be interested to see with Luketa where they play him. Right? How, how does the Jets coaching staff position him and and try to maximize what his talents are? What does he want to do? Right? Yeah. Like what? What is? How does he fit into that? And his his you know opinion on the matter, and then Castro Fields. I don't think that I'm being too critical or harsh to acknowledge that in a lot of ways, his Penn state career didn't have the impact in games necessarily that you was expected. That was expected, right. That, that people put out there. It's it's funny. I pulled a quote from James Franklin ahead of the 2020 season about Tariq saying how they really felt strongly that he had this ability to to change games by 
making interceptions, right? Yep. Like, uh, yep. There's so many other things that we talk about, but making interceptions is this massive, massive piece of the puzzle that Penn State had not had and thought that Castro Fields could be a big part of moving forward in 2020, 2021, and finished his career with three interceptions and didn't yep. make any this past season. So what? how will things change in a different environment? How will things change in a different um, in a different setup for him? And and what will they ask him to do? Like what yep. what is his most natural position? Yep, um, situation there, especially at, in, in the secondary, how you're asked to play zone or man techniques you're asked to use that that is where maybe your talent doesn't align with what you're asked to do. Uh, I I go back to when he was recruited. I remember sitting in back in the day when we used to be in person with things, sitting in the Beaver Stadium media room, and you heard this eruption from upstairs. And it was the Penn State coaching staff because he was a last-minute flip, and I don't remember where he flipped from, but he chose Penn State, and they were very high on his ability. I was told by several people how much they believed in his talent. And and over the course of his career, he proved them right. He was a good football player for Penn State, but you're right. To the level yeah. of expectation and, and to the seeming level of talent and all those things, it didn't quite match up, and, you know, you can ask that there's there's always in football a thousand reasons why. Yeah, and, well, and and I don't think that there's any question there were some injury concerns for him. There were some injury things that popped up. Not clear if he actually opted out of the Outback Bowl. He was on the sidelines, right? Yeah. Uh, not dressed, but and didn't participate in that game, but was still with the team and with the program. Whereas some of those other guys who, who had opted out were not, and were not part of, uh, of that scene. So no, I mean, is, is he healthy? Can he participate? Is he, is he full go for, for senior bowl week, which will commence in not this coming week, but the next week after it yeah. is, is I believe when the week of practice leads into that February 5th game. So we'll see. So the 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 thing that I uh, ha- I'm interested in is I'll I'll bring this up again is what does Jesse Lucetta do on third down? Yeah, that to me that's the million dollar question. Is okay. You I I would even roll back what I've said, and I saw something special from him at defensive end. I saw the building blocks of something that can be a unique talent that he has at the defensive line in the NFL. That is a talent he has. But you say you want to play him sometimes off the ball at linebacker. He's got length. He's got burst downhill. Great. But on third down, is he a two-down player? If he's a two-down player, then he is a non-priority in the draft. If he becomes a pass rusher, which he did not show the propensity for at defensive end, you're getting a two-down defensive end run stuffer, not a guy you're going to invest highly in. His athleticism is going to come through at the combine. Whenever that happens, you know, when he tests, that's going to happen. But he, in coverage, if he if he plays linebacker at the Senior Bowl and he's asked to cover one-on-one, I'm be fascinated to see what those drills look like because yeah. you can't grab at the... The biggest thing that happens at the Senior Bowl is guys in college, even corners, they're used to grabbing and holding at the college level. And you can't do that in the NFL. And he has not really shown an awareness to play through space. If all the space in the world is out there, 
I just don't see how he's going to put his best foot forward in front of these scouts. Now, he can prove me wrong, and I'd be happy to be wrong because he's a great guy. I just yeah. don't know what to do with him on third down. Yep. Yeah. Now, this is... I love this. This is your wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> These are, this is right up your alley. So, no, it'll be it'll be an interesting week for a lot of those guys. What do you think about John Dotson? I mean, where does he... He doesn't need to do anything. Was, yeah, he just... Just show up in an interview. So this, But he would be a guy who would be phenomenal in the, in the drills. So he doesn't need to play in the game. But a guy who can create separation and who is a good route runner that can ruin a defensive back that can't grab him, I was I was thinking about this this week, and this is something I talked about in one of my articles over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com about how Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington might fit a little better with Sean Clifford's skill set. Talking again about per- personnel working well together as guys who can break tackles and get yards where the quarterback doesn't have to do all the work. Jahan Dotson is incredibly valuable as a deep receiver. Penn State couldn't hit deep shots. So yeah. he, to me, reminds me a lot of Devontae Smith of a guy who's going to win through space and speed, break angles, not tackles. And Devontae Smith this past season in the NFL with Jalen Hurts, his value and his effectiveness was diminished because a six-yard hitch is not the same as a guy who can run an RPO post over the middle and get 70 yards because he just straight runs away from somebody. Jalen Hurts isn't hitting those the same way that Mac Jones did. So... I don't know that he needs to do anything at the senior bowl, but he would look very good in drills. Yeah. He's, he's uh Mel Kuyper with ESPN had yesterday, a mock that had both Dotson and Ebikiti in the first round. Why, why isn't Jaquan Brisker a first round pick? I don't understand. Uh, PFF just tweeted out uh, earlier earlier today. Jaquan Brisker has the highest coverage grade of any safety over the last two seasons. He plays well in the box. He tackles well. He can line up in the slot. I think sometimes maybe man coverage is not his strength as much as playing a little bit of off. But I, I'm three quarters of the way there with being able to do literally everything. I know he's not 212 pounds and doesn't play like a linebacker and run like a corner, but he's everything else. And you talked about him in the freaks list for Penn State earlier this year. I just yep. think that like if you're looking for a guy that can solve problems in the secondary, that's Jaquan Brisker. You want interceptions? I don't know what, what I'm, I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know if I'm too close to the situation, but it just seems ridiculous to me. What's the what's the ceiling? What's what the you, absolute height of where you think he not could be drafted, but should be drafted? Like, how high on him are you? 20? 25? Listen, if if Terrell Edmonds can go in the first round, and some of the other guys that people have looked for for that hybrid safety, if they can go in the first round, Jaquan Brisker at six foot 200 pounds, that has that uh, corner-like abilities, and can tackle and play tough, I'd play him in the slot. You know, I, I'd, I'd bring him in as a nickel linebacker. I would use him as a two-high safety. I think his best role, by the way, would be in a two-high safety defense, kind of like the Rams play. Uh, and not, I don't want to bring up a certain team from Western New York again, but teams that play versatile coverage that ask their safeties to play three levels of the defense. That's what he can do. I don't know how that's not super valuable. You look at the best coverage units in the NFL. They can run cover two. They can shift to cover one. They can disguise coverages, and they can not be weak because they have guys that can do multiple things. Like, 
I don't need to be a Jaquan Brisker salesman because his tape should do that. But I don't know what everyone's missing. You know, like, I guess we'll find out later, but I don't know what everybody's missing. There's, there's a lot of time between now and the draft, right? I mean, sometimes you see these trajectories change. He's, as... a, he's a late riser, so there's something to do with the draft evaluation. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. How about Jordan Stout? What does he need to do with? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Punt the ball really well, you know, yeah. and stop, stop kicking. and far. Stop right? doing field goals. Just focus on punting. You're fine. And then yeah. it'll be just... Be it'll be great. Um, anyone we didn't mention? I think we covered everybody at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, that's all six. That's okay. All six. Well, that was a good show. That was a lot of fun. We'll be doing it again. Uh, Ryan Snyder coming up tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition, another Junior Day. So we'll be previewing that coming up tomorrow. And of course, Nate sticking around. We got our Monday live show. We're gonna be back next week talking more Penn State football. We didn't get to Penn State basketball today. Dang it. We are supposed to do that. Anyway, we'll get to more of that when they actually play a game later on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow.